You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave. How are you doing today? Not bad. How are you doing, Nick? Doing great. Feeling good for a Monday and uh, excited yeah. for another episode of the podcast. It'll be interesting to go back in a few months and compare the recordings we do on Friday to the recordings we do on Monday. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of switching our routine out there here. Noticing. Yeah, yeah right. 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 So uh, so today we're going to talk about a different topic. We uh we often get asked by clients how to help their children or grandchildren get started financially, kind of how to get launched. Yeah. Being a parent, you want what's best for your kids. But at some point when they get into adulthood, some of the stuff they have to do on their own. And so um, mm-hmm. we've had clients throughout the years um, use us to kind of help get their kids launched or get them thinking in the right direction. And so we thought it would be a great idea to just kind of go through a podcast of those ideas and um, right. that we can share to that next younger generation. Right. You know, and it's, these things don't come naturally to a lot of people. And, you know, we know that the education system doesn't do a great job filling in the gaps. And then when you're trying to talk family to family, a lot of times, you know, these conversations can get wrapped up in responsibility and blame and a lot of emotional topics that, uh, just make it awkward amongst families. So we get to be the uh, objective. How can we help folks? Yeah, absolutely. And and a couple of things on that. One, I think the most important thing that you can find as a young person is someone that can give you objective advice. Because, you know, as you go along in life, you're definitely going to want someone that's not emotionally involved in the decisions that you're making mm-hmm. financially. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we see people make is when there's the most chaos going on in their lives is when they make the worst financial decisions, which is the perfect time to have someone that you can talk about these financial decisions that doesn't have that emotional attachment to that decision. The second right. thing I would say is you shouldn't feel bad about not getting a good financial education. I'll, I'll never forget when I was, I had a degree in finance um, and got a job as a financial planner and called my dad to ask him what kind of health insurance that I should buy. <laughs> not that he probably right. knew a whole lot better than me, but you would think a kid that starting a financial planning would be able to figure out his own health insurance. But, um, you know, that's a systematic failure, I guess, of the finance program that I right. was in that we didn't talk about things like what kind of health insurance a well, 20-year-old need. You, you probably knew how to model the cash flow of a sophisticated collateral debt obligation, right? Yeah, they, exactly. they, taught you, they taught you that kind of stuff. They didn't, they didn't tell you, oh, by the way, when you get your benefits form from your first employer, to make sure you check these two boxes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but that, but that does illustrate the point. And, uh, and uh, it doesn't come naturally, and it's a very complicated uh, world out there. So, getting some support is definitely, uh, definitely the way to go. Um, and it's been an interesting evolution in the industry over the last uh, seven or eight years. We've started to see a lot of financial planners, young financial planners, who specialize in helping people in their own age group. 
And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, the old system was kind of built on, you had to have money to have a financial planner because they got paid on commission or managing your assets. And when you're 20 years old and you're starting out, you don't have two nickels to rub together. So it's hard to get objective, good financial planning advice and things like XY planning network where, you know, a lot of the Mm -hmm. young people have businesses built around helping people that are getting started by charging on the subscription as opposed to a commission on investments to look at all of your financial planning needs, not just managing your money. And and I think that's a huge improvement and going to help a lot of people. Well, and you know, you and I, um, we can talk about this stuff with kids and grandkids, but you know, our our expertise is usually in the 40, 50, 60 on up age group and how to move from the working world into retirement. And, and right. it's a little different expertise uh, in getting started. So finding somebody that, that specializes in that, I think, is, is a smart move. Plus, you know, when you, when you take on your parents' financial planner, when you get help from your parents' financial planner, like I said, that's the role we often end up playing is, is helping out. But, you know, you probably want that independent voice. So it's not like you're not being dictated what your parents want you to hear, but this, you know, it's maybe different than what you think is best for you. <laughs> I get myself in trouble with some right. of our clients there, but yeah. you know, we've got oh, to kind absolutely. of be careful because you know, if, if, if it, it, the, those needs and those, those goals don't always align. Right. And it can be a tricky situation for us as planners to kind of play that, you know, I know what their parents want them to do, but, you know, at the same time, they've got to be people too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're so, 100% right on that one. <laughs> so, you know, um, some of the things we do talk with people about is is just starting off with, you know, what what is that basic level of financial literacy? Do you understand what a balance sheet is, what an asset is, what a liability is, how to figure out where you're at? Yeah. And just that basic financial knowledge that I think a lot of people, like we had talked about, didn't get in school. They didn't get it in high school. Mm -hmm. They didn't get it in, you know, college, or if they did, it was on a limited basis. And so, you know, I think the first thing is gaining that knowledge. And there's a lot of great books out there that will kind of help point you in that direction and explain those things. And, And we'll throw out a couple and put them in the show notes for people that are interested in looking at those. But mm-hmm. that's kind of where I would tell everybody to start is, you know, get one of the decent financial planning books that kind of explains things on a basic level. So you just have an understanding yeah. of it. I think that's good for everyone, no matter yeah. where you're at, to be able to understand it. Um, even if you're working with a, a financial planner, just because mm-hmm. it's going to make those conversations, it's going to make your understanding that much better, which is only going to help your plan come to fruition. It seems kind of unusual, you know, with, with kids young people, you'd think that it would be pretty simple to talk about goals, right? But it actually, I think, could be more complex when we were talking to somebody who's maybe in college or just out of college. Like, what are, what are your financial goals? What do you want to do? They, you know, they, they have no idea. All they know is they're being bombarded with all these things they should think about and they should do. And so, you know, that's kind of the next thing, I think, is to sit down and figure out, okay, where do you want to be in a year or two? Is it paying off student debt? Do you still have tuition to pay? You know, what are what are the things that you want to accomplish over the next few years? Because that's going to drive the decision making. Yeah, that's a great point, Dave. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people really struggle, especially when it comes to in, in goal setting alone, but especially when it comes to setting personal goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the thing that we preach most often here is balance, right? And so it's not necessarily about making all the right financial decisions or, you know, getting completely out of student loan debt or whatever debt you're in by the time you're 25 or being a millionaire by the time you're 30. Those things are kind of arbitrary and and not really great goals to begin with. So what is it that you want to be able to do to be able to enjoy your life now when you're young, but still be on track to do things like be out of debt and be on track for retirement? And and I think retirement, especially for young people, is such an abstract concept of so you're telling me I've got to have millions of dollars by the time I'm, you know, by the time I'm 65 right. so I can retire? Like, what does that even mean to a 20-some-year-old? Right. Um, but, you know, back back to that idea of basic financial literacy, too, though, is just understanding that even if you don't know how much you're going to need right now, being able to use that power of compounding returns over that much more of your lifetime, what a difference that'll make you know, starting savings in your 20s compared to your 30s or your 40s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of the biggest ones in working with young people is just understanding how many more options that you will have by starting saving and compounding interest when you're in your 20s as opposed to your 30s or 40s. Mm -hmm. So uh, after we've talked about uh, basic financial literacy and and goals, you know, where the rubber meets the road is, is cash flow. And uh, we always get stuck talking about budgeting and cash flow, but uh, that's kind of the next step. Yeah, especially when you're young, you know, the the better off that you can start. And a lot of things get that get thrown around in some of these mm-hmm. financial planning books that a lot of us have heard is that pay yourself first, right? So that mm-hmm. theory of nobody is going to put away for your future but you in this day and age, unless you're one of those rare minorities who have a pension plan at the job that they have, those things don't really exist anymore. And so you really have to be in charge of your own savings um, Mm -hmm. and and paying yourself first. And that comes down to cash flow, right? How do we figure out, how do we create a budget um, Mm -hmm. on a personal financial level and how do we make it balanced so that we're balancing what we want to be able to do now and what we want to be able to do in the future how do we, you know, make those decisions of what our student loan payment options are versus yep. saving for retirement? All that stuff goes into um, the cash flow. And, and our favorite, of course, Dave, is putting away money for emergencies and creating an emergency fund is super important yes. as you're just starting out. It's kind of funny because a lot of um, a lot of those young folks are looking for like, hey, what's the, you know. How do I get, how do I get started investing or how do I, you know, and it's like, no, we got to back up. We got to figure out these, uh, these basics first, you know, and uh, budgeting and taking care of your cash flow is a habit that if you start when you're in your twenties and when things are relatively simple compared to, you know, when you've got three kids and a mortgage and two car payments and everything else going on, if you start that stuff, when you're when your life is relatively simple and you're relatively young, it's that, I mean, that's just going to, to pay off big dividends, bigger dividends than any hot investment tip I could give you. So let me just throw this out here, Dave. But if you have a Robinhood account before you have an emergency fund, you're not doing it right. You've got it backwards. You're doing yeah, it backwards. You're you, you, you know, yeah, you got it. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's, not sexy and it's not exciting and you're not going to get any interest on it. But I'm telling you that emergency <laughs> fund will bail you out more times than any stock pick that you could make on Robin. Odds are. And uh, I think we, maybe we need to get that emblazoned on a t-shirt or something. 
I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, so emergency fund, figuring out cash flow, getting cash flow positive. And then, you know, back to goals, like, all right, so, so what's the next thing to save for? Do you have more college to pay for? Do you have a, a car that you need to buy, a home, a wedding coming up? You know, we start quantifying what those goals are and when they might happen so that you can start laying out a plan to fund those. Yeah, and I think also um, to add to that list is really to look at the payment methods and the things that you're using. You know, are we using mm-hmm. credit cards? How is that working? Are we using cash? What's your comfort level? There's a lot of different research on, you know, if you're starting out in a budget using cash for a lot of people, it's more tangible. You see it so you know when it's gone kind of thing. And I know mm-hmm. you're the opposite of that, Dave. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, everybody has their own, you know, comfort level and, and make sure that you kind of figure out what your comfort level is and what works best for you. And obviously credit cards can be dangerous. You know, if you're using a credit card and paying it off every month, that's a lot different than using the credit card and paying what you can. So be careful with stuff like that. And uh, so when you've got a grip on that, then we can start talking about it. Hey, is it time to start a Roth IRA? Is it time to start contributing to an employer plan? What can we do to get that that power of compounding interest started for you, you know, in your early 20s instead of your 30s or 40s? Yeah, and I think that's, um, without going into too much detail, this might be a different podcast for a different time, but actually, Ashley, our intern, asked me this morning, when you're getting started, should you do Roth versus traditional? And of course, I, uh, I went into way too much detail and probably gave her a 15-minute answer, um, which I will spare our listeners of today, but maybe that's a different podcast. But yeah. generally, when you're younger and you're earning less, it makes sense to do a Roth contribution and pay the taxes now. And when you're older and and your peak earning years and in a higher tax bracket, you probably want to defer those taxes until retirement. So yeah, leave it at that for today. But lots of caveats. And there's going to come a point in your earnings career where you'd switch over, if you will, to making pre-tax versus post-tax. But if in doubt, if you're 22 years old and you've got earned income and you can set some aside in a Roth IRA, that's probably going to be the right answer. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but did another one of those things that comes up often as you're looking at saving for retirement, that question of mm-hmm. pre-tax, after-tax. And speaking of taxes, that's another consideration yeah. that a lot of people have. The big one that I see from people starting out is your employer is essentially going to give you a form to decide how much taxes you should be having withheld from your paycheck. Mm-hmm. And most people have absolutely no clue what to do with that form or how to even read it. And that can, of course, that, cause some issues. That form, they try to make it so that you don't really have to think about it, like just to answer a couple of questions. But that the W-4 form is so obtuse that it's, to me, it's the yeah. silliest. It's like the, the apex of governmental silliness, but that's, that's a whole... That's what you get from an IRS form, unfortunately. Right. 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 Yeah. So what I, what I would suggest in that regard is there's a, the IRS does have a tax withholding estimator. You can try to use that and kind of gauge and Mm -hmm. see where you're at. Um, That's a good tool. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. That might be a good place to start. It's a little bit more intuitive than the form is. Think about that. Don't just write down a number. 
don't do what I did and call your dad and ask him what number to write down. <laughs> um, do call your financial professional if you do decide to hire one and ask them. They should be able to help walk you through that. Right. Um, but don't just write down a number or call a friend and ask them, you know, see what your college roommate did because they probably did not do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so odds are. Odds are, you know, and uh, taxes in general are just a horribly confusing topic. And if there's no other reason to get some financial help, it's to make sure you get your taxes filed right when you're when you're just getting started. It's kind of counterintuitive in a way because your taxes should be pretty simple when you're just getting started. But, uh, you know, don't uh, don't rely on free forms necessarily. Get a little input. Make sure you're doing it right. Absolutely. I mean, some of the best money that you can spend on a professional is having a tax professional walk you through and make, make sure things are done right. Not, you know, if nothing else, they can keep you out of prison, which is a pretty good deal for what they're probably going to charge you to do your taxes. So, right, right. I guess the uh, the next big consideration to talk with, uh, you know, folks just getting launched is, uh, you know, what's the situation with regards to current assets and debts? On the asset side, banking relationships, do you have a bank set up and is that doing, is the bank doing what you need? Um, do you have, mm-hmm. you know, savings account for your emergency fund, things of that nature? Um, you know, yeah. always a good spot, especially if you're young and move into a new city, what kind of access do you have? It's a little bit more of a moot point with everything being virtual nowadays. I can't tell you the last time I went into the bank, but I know I wasn't happy about <laughs> it. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So, but definitely, you know, consider and, and, and think about that relationship. And, you know, what I tell yeah. people about banks is um, it doesn't really bother me where you go as long as it's FDIC insured. Um, you can get into trouble sometimes if you're fooling around on the internet. You can find things that aren't necessarily <laughs> insured like you would want them to be. So that is the one caveat that I throw out there on the bank. So. Well, when it comes time to uh, being able to pay for things and, you know, just... Working with a with a banker, credit union, even if they don't have a physical presence right where you are, but that you know, you know, uh, your checks are going to be accepted and payments are going to show right. up where they want to show up is 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 paramount. So um, find the <laughs> find the one that works for you. But on the, on the other side of that, what I would say is, you know, do you need a credit card to need to mm-hmm. start establishing credit other than, you know, if you have student loans or maybe you don't have student loans, um, think about how that works and figure out and work with your credit union or bank on how you, to start establishing credit. Um, yep. If you didn't, if you didn't get a credit card in the cafeteria when you were going to school, um, now is probably a good time to get one. <laughs> um, I don't advise that you get the credit card from the guy sitting in the cafeteria, by the way. Um, but <laughs> right. starting to think about that and, and how you can start to establish credit by using a credit card um, or, yep. you know, if you're thinking automobile, car loan, mortgage, you know. And I would even go as far as saying, you know, reach out to the banker and have a conversation with them about what you should be doing. Or, you know, if one of your goals Mm -hmm. is to buy a house, start talking to a mortgage lender and interviewing a couple different mortgage lenders. Most of them will be willing to help you figure out kind of where you stand credit wise and what you need to do to improve it. Um, you can, if you're completely unsure of where you stand, you can always go to any of the three bureaus. Again, we can put links in the show notes yep. and you can pull your credit report for free. 
I don't advise that you pull all three at once, maybe do once every four months, one every four months or so. Um, but it's a good place to start to pull one of those yeah. and just see what's yeah. on there and um, start figuring out what you can do to build credit. Like so many things in, in the world of finance, it's something to monitor and keep track of, but not something to obsess over. So um, getting in the habit of, of taking a look at it when you're young is going to be going to pay off in the long run. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of younger folks, when we talk to them, they're dealing with student loans. And uh, that tends to be a driving force in their uh, financial planning, you know. So uh, it's, it's an extremely complex topic. Uh, it's, um, it's very difficult in a quick conversation to get a handle on someone's student loans. Um, because quite often they don't even know what type of loans they have. So, you know, if you, if you've got any questions, figure out what kind of student loans you have, sit down, take a weekend, get your statements together, uh, log into the federal site, figure out what kind of loans you have and what your options are. And you should monitor that at, at least once a year, especially when your financial situation is changing and make sure you're on the right payment plan and that you're current and everything is good. Yeah, great point. You know, student loans can get very complicated and you definitely is well worth seeking out some advice to figure out what those options are and what's going to be best for you because everyone's situation in that regard is going yeah. to be a little bit different. It will have some ramifications on, you know, what you're able to do with some of the other things right. that we talked about. It's a, it's, a, it's a heavy conversation lately. And, you know, and then there's a lot of political uncertainty about how student loans are going to be handled going forward. But, uh, you know, we got to play, with the, play by the rules that we've got right now. And, and uh, you know, that's something we've got some, some neat tools to do student loan analysis and, and figure out the best payment plans. One of the other things on your list as you're starting employment is starting to look at the risk management insurance side of the ledger, which, you know, if you think cash flow and emergency funds are cool, wait, wait until <laughs> yeah, you start wait getting to get into insurance, insurance policies. Right. Well, and, and you know, talking, talking to a 19 or 20 year old about these topics is always fun because a lot of them still have the invincibility uh, factor, you know, that. Bad, bad, bad things haven't happened to me yet, so they probably aren't. And uh, yeah, um, absolutely, creates kind of a false sense of security. Yeah, so you know, you need to you need to make sure you've got the right um, automobile insurance once you come off of your parents' plan, and uh, that can that involves some decision making and and some financial planning to make sure you're choosing the right deductibles and the the premium is affordable. Um, Health insurance, very uh, interesting topic these days. But, uh, you know, once you're 26 now, you are no longer eligible to be covered under your parents' plan. So, uh, you know, you've got to got to be ready to roll on your own there. Yeah, health insurance is an interesting one. And, and without getting too far into the weeds, you know, there's a, usually employers now are offering multiple different types of coverages that you can kind of choose from. And so a lot of that is dependent on, you know, how healthy you are. Traditionally, other things being equal, the healthier you are, the more you want to steer towards the less expensive coverage, which is nowadays kind of morphed into usually the high deductible health plans that have HSA options with them. Um, another great way to save for future 
health expenses as you know you probably start using more health insurance or more health coverage later on in life um so definitely some things to think about there in terms of health insurance and back to your point on auto insurance the michigan law has changed so if you're in michigan it's really important to have the right mm-hmm. come out of coverage and, and have your own policy as well and what we always tell people is, you know, another great a great avenue for that is maybe not necessarily Googling health insurance or Googling <laughs> auto insurance and getting a policy from Geico. There's a lot of really good independent agents that will shop around for you, make sure that you have the coverage that you need um, and right. have somebody that can kind of help walk you through that process. And I would highly recommend you go that route as opposed to shopping for policies online. Um, yeah. And um, as a part of that, renter's insurance is always a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to get too far into the weeds, another thing that comes up is disability insurance. Um, Hopefully you are covered under your work plan. If there's an option to... If there's an option to purchase more or purchase long-term disability, uh, you should probably more than likely do that. Um, that's your biggest asset, especially coming out of school, is your ability to earn income over the next 40 years. And disability mm-hmm. insurance will protect that for you. Um, so definitely, yep. especially as a young person, getting a disability policy makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Well, and, and life insurance you know, is an interesting topic with young people because there's two factors. One is uh, you know, life insurance is going to be the least expensive when you're young and healthy. And the older you get and the less healthy you are, the more expensive it's going to be. At the same time, a young person may not feel they need a lot of life insurance or any life insurance. But the thing there that you've got to be cognizant of is that can change really fast, right? You can go from being a, um, Mm-hmm. 22-year-old with, you know, a uh, couple thousand dollars in the bank and no debt and no real need for life insurance to all of a sudden within a year, you know, having a baby and a mortgage and people counting on your income and all of a sudden that need can be pretty big. So just keep in mind that that life insurance decision um, can change really fast and can be a good thing to explore when you're younger and healthier. That said, there's a million different types of life insurance out there and talk to somebody you trust. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another point to that is, you know, yes, you're, you're not only can your situation change quickly, but you know, your health situation might True, change quickly right. as well. And so, you know, if you can lock in a term policy or that you can have the option to maybe even convert at some point, it's definitely something to look into and talk to somebody about. So, uh, you know, those are the big overarching financial issues to think about. You know, one, one thing that came up there in my mind is you were, you're talking about going online to buy, um, auto insurance and it may, it it brought two thoughts to mind. One is with, with any of those type of coverages, whether it's life insurance, health, uh, auto, there can be subtle differences between policies and prices. But if you're getting the same kind of coverage, the price is probably going to be very similar. So if you're seeing one provider of a certain type of insurance offer a, something drastically less expensive than another, it means the coverage probably isn't the same and you need to make sure you're looking at all those details. And, and the other thing I thought of as you were saying that was, you know, if when you're going online for any financial information right now, you need to keep in mind that 90% of what you see 
probably doesn't apply to your situation. And, and you need to kind of filter that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a great point. You know, most people, when you online shop, you know, you're and you're looking at different sources, you're looking based on one factor only, which is price. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Dave, different prices usually mean different coverage levels and in insurance. So you really have to be careful. And that's why it makes sense to yeah. work with a professional on that. Another thing that I just thought of too, that kind of falls into this category is making sure that if you are saving or you have... Um, savings accounts or you have life insurance policies, you're starting a 401k at work, make sure you are putting beneficiaries down and make sure you're updating those Mm -hmm. as your situation changes. And then also think about, you know, take another step of, you know, if something happens to you, you're an adult and nobody has the right to make financial or medical decisions for Mm -hmm. you until you expressly give them that right in writing. Um, and it probably makes a ton of sense to see an estate planning attorney to help draw up those documents. Another right. important thing to think about of who do you want to make those decisions and getting that in writing so that if something does happen, you're covered and prepared for that when you need it. It's another another one that I think a lot of young people um, don't necessarily right. think of and, and one that I know as a parent, I'd be more than willing to pay for for my kids. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> to get those things done. Um, so maybe that's, you know, a, a thing that you ask your parents about making sure you get those things done and, and maybe they'll yeah. be, be kind enough to foot the bill for you on that one, but well worth yeah. um, the cost of that to make sure that yeah. that gets put or in place. Help you find somebody that you can trust and have that conversation with. As with so many of these things, we've got a handy checklist that you can go through and, uh, kind of see what issues might apply to you or that young person in your life that's getting ready to go out on their own. And uh, we'll have that posted on our website along with uh, with this podcast. Yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. And as we have kind of talked about in a lot of these different things, when you're going out and you are seeking out advice, whether it's from an insurance agent, whether it's from an estate planning attorney or somebody doing taxes, don't be afraid to reach out to a couple of them and, and kind of interview them and make sure it's a good mm-hmm. fit for you. Make sure you know what you're getting into and ask them some questions about how they work and how they get paid. I think, you know, I know as a professional, especially when I have young people come in and, and talking about services, I love getting questions from them. And I love that they do some research and think about it because that lets me know that they're you know not just fooling around, number one, or trying to hire anybody, but they're serious about it. Um, and, I, and I have no problem answering those questions um, because of the firm that we've built and the values that we have. Um, but you know, not everybody is necessarily that way. And so I think a lot of people, especially if you're younger and you're seeking advice, you know, you kind of get scared and you kind of get this, you know, what's that doctor syndrome when somebody comes in with a white coat, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, ask questions um, and, you know, the, you'll soon find the professionals that you want to work with are more than willing to answer your questions and take that time. And, um, and the ones that aren't willing to or don't answer your questions are probably ones that you don't want to work with anyway. So don't be afraid to, to interview some of the financial professionals that you're working with. That's, that's a good way to wrap it up, I think, right there. And uh, another good topic, Nick. It's uh, always good to talk. Absolutely, Dave. Until next time. All right. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. 
You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.